This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Stitch Fix and by HelloFresh. We've seen a lot of creepy robots together, haven't we, folks? There's, of course, Sophia, along with all the other fleshy abominations from Hanson Robotics, including creepy Robo Einstein and creepy Robo Philip K. Dick. And then there's the Russian company Promobot with their uncanny versions of their own founder, plus an Arnold Schwarzenegger robot that got them sued by Arnold himself. Must be doing something right. Mm -hmm. And that's just scratching the surface. But we regret to inform you that a company called Engineered Arts has somehow raised the bar on robot creepiness and brought us to the deepest depths of the uncanny valley thus far seen. Oh, you're talking about EA? (laughs) Engineered Arts? Engineered Arts. So yeah, we actually talked about Engineered Arts previously back in February of this year when they released some videos showing off their Mesmer robotics platform. And what we saw at the time was a weird mix of unimpressive and scarily impressive. The demo robot Clio suffered from the same problems as every other fleshy humanoid robot that we've seen. The skin just didn't look that good, and the facial movements and expressions seemed very robotic. At the same time though, seeing what was going on under the skin was pretty impressive. This was a robot with a huge range of motion, at least uh, for the upper body, with dozens of individual points of articulation, allowing for the potential of realistic human movements. Though in the demo, the movement was still pretty rigid and robotic, so... Yeah, you can... I got a full range of human movements and this is me moving. Does this look natural? Yeah. Anyway, fast forward 10 months and it looks like engineered arts is... (laughs) Really put in some work this year, because uh, the latest demos of their Mesmer robotics, uh, like robots, are actually fucking terrifying in the typical Uncanny Valley sense and in the sense that we are genuinely terrified of what these things might be capable of in just a few years. So first up, they dropped this video last week showing a robot in their lab called Amika putting on a little performance of it waking up from sleep looking around confused, examining its own hands with a look of amazement, and then noticing the viewer and being surprised for a moment before calming down and then smiling, and then extending a very dexterous, welcoming hand towards the camera. No thanks. Yeah. I will not accept that handshake. This is, a, it's absolute nightmare fuel, but in some new and interesting ways. Uh, By not even attempting to emulate the look of actual human skin and instead just going with gray, the movements of the face and the hands come off as somehow even more natural and believable than they would otherwise. Uh, And those movements are much smoother and more natural than the last time we saw Mesmer. Also, all that natural blinking is an especially horrific touch. This is a Chucky doll. Yeah. Gray. Why are you blinking? You don't have moisture to worry about on your eyes. Mm -hmm. Overall, we give Amiga an 8.5 out of 10 on the get that thing the hell away from me scale. (laughs) And only because there will definitely be even worse things coming in the future. Yeah. This is uh, not going to be a fun thing to have strolling around the house. Don't you all want this thing in your home doing your chores and watching over your children? What? You don't? No? Well, you're wrong. Well, you're going... This is a companion bot. Much like NFTs and everything else, you will accept this into your life. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Ask it a question. It'll do anything. But in fact, Engineered Arts, they actually managed to up the ante on themselves just a few days after posting that video with another video of a different Mesmer robot. And this one is just a head with no body. But while Amika featured gray robot skin, uh, this guy, who's called Adron, I guess, features some of the most realistic looking skin that we have ever seen on a robot, which when combined with some very natural looking facial expressions, 
results in something truly deeply unsettling. This is a robot that might actually fool you, at least for a brief moment, until you notice there's just something a little bit off with the eyes, but then it's too late. Yeah. He's got you. Within arm's reach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so once these people at Engineered Arts figure out the eyes, it's, it's over for all of us. Hopefully the eyes take a while. Yeah, you'll feel like this is just someone wearing a mask or something. Yeah, yeah. This uh, it, it does it does reach a point where it's like, okay, well, I've seen people that look like this on the street. Who knows? But yeah, sure. Engineered arts they claim that all their work is merely for stuff like theme park attractions and whatnot, and not global domination. But that's exactly what someone seeking global domination would say. It's exactly what they would say. Oh, this is just for that new, uh, we're making President Biden for- The Hall of Presidents. The Hall of Presidents. Like, wait a second, there's already a President Biden Hall of Presidents. Oh God, he's uh, coming for me! Watch out! Yeah. So, engineered arts, we've got our eye on you. Mm -hmm. And when we blink, it's because our eyes are dry, mm -hmm. not because we're pretending. This is the same, like, the uh, new Unreal Engine, the demos that just came out of it, where you're just like, this is scary. Like, you don't even need to do did, deep fake did anymore they because- confirm whether or not that is actually CGI Keanu in the Matrix one? Uh, I don't know. So they, yeah, Unreal released a trailer for some sort of experience in, on the Epic Store or whatever, yeah. like a movie tie-in with the Matrix, but a lot of people were like, oh, the Keanu in that video is actually made in Unreal Engine, but they haven't said yes or no about it. But well, the fact that it would even confuse anyone is a testament to how good it looks now. Yeah, yeah. It's getting kind of scary. Yeah. So, um, but the deep fake technology thing, it doesn't need to exist anymore because rendering is going to get so good and so believable that it's uh, completely unnecessary to just stitch someone's face yeah. over your face. Yeah. Um, but speaking of robots, uh, the idea of a future war involving robots, it is no joke. That's why Arnold sued. Yeah. Don't associate <laughs> I've got to me stop with this it. Shit. <laughs> uh, unmanned remotely controlled vehicles and weapon systems have become more and more common in warfare and R&D over the last decade and a half. And meanwhile, there's been great leaps in artificial intelligence. It's already entirely within the realm of possibility to program something like a drone to go to a predetermined location and kill anyone that it encounters. Um, it doesn't even need human input. You just yeah. send it on its way. Go over it just, there and kill. It just hasn't happened yet, at least that we know of. Well, hold on. Oh! Let me dig back into our own fucking archives here because uh, turns out we talked about this back in June. Mm -hmm. uh, a UN report revealed that in March of 2020, Cargo 2 autonomous weapons were used on the battlefield in the Libyan Civil War and likely resulted in casualties. Uh, the specific weapons used, the Cargo 2 drones made in Turkey, are very simple and almost primitive, you might say. And they, they basically do what we just described. You send them somewhere, tell it to kill, and it can do that without needing a live data connection with the operator. And in the Cargo 2's case, that means just basically flying over an area, identifying targets on the ground, and then kamikaze crashing into them and exploding. It's maybe not as advanced as what you might imagine when you hear the phrase killer robot. That is, but that's literally what it that is. That description it is, is, it is a killer robot. So autonomous weapons have already been used and there's no reason to believe more advanced and more deadly autonomous weapon systems aren't also being developed. AI scientists have been sounding the alarm about how bad autonomous weapons would be for the world. And at a recent meeting of the United Nations, an autonomous weapons ban was discussed. 
Can you take a wild guess about how the United States, noted enjoyer of wars and also the world's biggest arms dealer, felt about this? Hmm. Well, for your answer, here's the Guardian. The U.S. has rejected calls for a binding agreement regulating or banning the use of killer robots, instead proposing a code of conduct at the United Nations. Speaking at a meeting in Geneva focused on finding common ground on the use of such so-called lethal autonomous weapons, a U.S. official balked at the idea of regulating their use through a legally binding instrument. The meeting saw government experts preparing for high-level talks at a review conference on the convention of certain conventional weapons from 13 to 17 December. In our view, the best way to make progress would be through the development of a non-binding code of conduct, U.S. official Josh Dorison told the meeting. The United Nations has been hosting diplomatic talks in Geneva since 2017, aimed at reaching an agreement on how to address the use of killer robots. Activists and a number of countries have called for an all-out ban on any weapons that could use lethal force without a human overseeing the process and making the final kill order. In November 2018, the UN chief, Antonio Guterres, joined the call for a ban, but so far countries do not even agree on whether there is a need to regulate the weapons. During Thursday's debate, a number of countries, including India and the United States, criticized the idea of a legally binding agreement. Now, as for why, aside from the reasons we already listed, that the United States would be opposed to a legally binding autonomous weapons ban, well, here's Gizmodo. Not only is the U.S. uninterested in limiting autonomous weapons, but it's also actively being advised to move in the opposite direction. Several years ago, the U.S. formed the National Security Commission on AI, whose ultimate goal is to gather intelligence and produce major reports for the President and Congress proposing solutions for advancing AI in national defense. That commission is headed by former Google CEO Eric Schmidt and includes other tech titans like Amazon's Andy Jassy and Microsoft's Eric Horvitz as commissioners. In a nutshell, the group's 2021 report specifically pushed back on entering an autonomous weapons ban and instead pressed for a ramping up of military AI investment to maintain superiority over China and Russia. Quote, as these authoritarian states field new AI-enabled military systems, we are concerned that they will not be constrained by the same rigorous testing and ethical code that guide the U.S. military, the report read. The authors go on to suggest autonomous weapon systems may represent an inevitability, given the increasing number of complex decisions operators will be forced to make in future battles. The best human operator cannot defend against multiple machines making thousands of maneuvers per second, potentially moving at hypersonic speeds and orchestrated by AI across domains, the reports reads. Humans cannot be everywhere at once, but software can. Just put the uh, killer drone on autopilot. Yeah, so basically, this is the same logic that's been behind every great arms race from the last several hundred years and maybe even the last several thousand years. Basically, the enemy will probably use autonomous weapons against us, so if we don't also have autonomous weapons of our own, we will be at a strategic disadvantage on the battlefield. So we need autonomous weapons. Tale as old as time. The, uh, and also the, the what about China argument, that's uh, it's very popular. It's typically the one that you hear anytime anyone suggests that we maybe try a little harder to limit our greenhouse gas emissions. Well, what about China? Mm -hmm. If they're not going to do anything, then we shouldn't do anything. But now it's also, uh, I guess, the argument of choice anytime anyone suggests that we maybe don't build Skynet. This is how we end what up. What about China? This is how we ended up with enough nuclear warheads to destroy the entire planet. Yeah, I mean, so the the arms race stuff, uh, uh, like the big wars that everyone knows about are World War One and World War Two. But like the second half of the 19th century was actually 
across that like 50 or 60 years uh, are maybe bloodier than uh, World War One, and it was a lot of that came down to like dudes in Europe actually discovering like how to make really good steel, and immediately being like, "Check out this cannon! This thing can fucking fire like ten miles away. You're gonna want one of these cannons." And just every country just like loading up on guns until they're just like, "Well, we don't want to go to war, but if, if we, we have if to, we did, we'd probably do pretty good for ourselves." If don't someone you blows think? up our country, we're going to blow yeah. up their country. We've the got all time. this steel. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, we're we're not going to stop building killer robots. Not that we are, but we're not going to not do it. But even if we weren't, we still will. Because China is probably doing it too. Yeah. So, yeah, the future is uh, sure looking exciting, isn't it, folks? If it's not the climate change, it's the autonomous killer robots that we'll have to worry about. Like, best case scenario, it'll just be our robots fighting their robots. But that's probably not. It's, it's knowing... That nope. would be too lame for them. They'd yeah. be like, but nobody's dying. Like, we don't fight real wars. We fight proxy wars and asymmetric wars. It'll it'll be like China uh, taking over like a port in Africa and us sending in a bunch of robots to just kill everyone that lives there. And uh, yeah. And then we'll take the port. Yeah. So anyways, if the stuff that we've covered so far today hasn't filled you with existential dread, then here's some exciting news about suicide. All right, obvious content warning for everyone. Uh, but yeah, views on voluntary euthanasia and assisted suicide, uh, they've evolved somewhat over the past few decades, uh, especially in a handful of European countries where some form of it is now legal. It's thankfully heavily regulated and generally only available to people already dying from something else or non-dying people who manage to convince a doctor beyond the shadow of a doubt that they're essentially beyond help psychologically. But Switzerland has probably the most lax rules around it, and they may soon be offering something previously only seen in science fiction, a suicide booth. And yeah, look, this device, which is called the Sarco, it's not that similar to the suicide booths from Futurama, which are basically just repurposed public phone booths. The Sarco, it's more of a suicide pod, you see. And- Gotta go out in style. It looks very futuristic. You're not standing, you are reclining. Come, gotta be comfortable. Uh, but yeah, it looks like something you'd hibernate in during a long journey to another planet, except in this case, you never wake up, and that's the you whole wake point. Wake up in heaven, Elliot. Yeah, you... <laughs> it's a one-way ticket. Uh, so, yeah, the website Swiss Info spoke to Philip Nitschke, the founder of the Australia-based organization Exit International, Great name. about his new invention, and uh, here's how he describes it. It's a 3D printed capsule activated from the inside by the person intending to die. The machine can be towed anywhere for the death. It can be an idyllic outdoor setting or in the premises of an assisted suicide organization, for example. The person will get into the capsule and lie down. It's very comfortable. Mm. They will be asked a number of questions and when they have answered, they may press the button inside the capsule activating the mechanism in their own time. The capsule is sitting on a piece of equipment that will flood the interior with nitrogen, rapidly reducing the oxygen level to 1% from 21% in about 30 seconds. The person will feel a little disoriented and may feel slightly euphoric before they lose consciousness. Death takes place through hypoxia and hypocapnia, oxygen and carbon dioxide deprivation, respectively. There is no panic, no choking feeling. Mm. So Nitschke says in the interview that after losing consciousness, death occurs in about five to 10 minutes. He also says that this method, which only requires nitrogen, removes the need for a doctor to be involved in order to prescribe the sodium pentobarbital that is currently used in most 
assisted suicide. And he even goes further than what a lot of supporters of assisted suicide might be comfortable with, uh, saying the following, we want to remove any kind of psychiatric review from the process and allow the individual to control the method themselves. Our aim is to develop an artificial intelligence screening system no. to establish the person's mental capacity. Naturally, there is a lot of skepticism, especially on the part of psychiatrists, but our original conceptual idea is that the person would do an online test and receive a code to access the Sarco. Oh, cool, like a BuzzFeed quiz. So... Yeah, I mean, that is actually very similar to the suicide booths in Futurama. It uh, even shows up at your door like an Uber. Yeah, now that you're describing it like that. Uh, I can't imagine that this would be more easy than what is already out there. So the stuff they already have, like, which, I mean, you go back to even, like, Jack Kevorkian. It's, uh, it's so the stuff Kevorkian did, and he had a couple different models, but the main one was just, like, an IV system where he had, like, basically three different tubes, and he'd give you the first one and the second. He was basically doing lethal injection, but compassionate lethal injection, where the whole idea was that you don't feel any pain through the yeah. process. And, like, that's kind of what all these other... Because there's the one where you... Is that do. the one you were talking about where they drink something? Uh, is that that so, like, I, I think that's what, like, the current one is, is uh, that because of barbitol this, or whatever. Because of this being a big news story in the past week, the, on Reddit, someone did a video of a assisted uh, unaliving is what they call yeah. it on TikTok to get away with it. Uh, yeah. uh, and it's a guy who is terminally ill and he takes the drink and pa and passes out and then dies, but he's with, surrounded by his family. And yeah, like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, this is an extremely uncomfortable topic, but, like, I, I, support, I support it. And, like, I've, I've told, like, my wife, and I've told multiple people, I'm like, if I, because my, my grandma had Alzheimer's. I'm like, if I ever get Alzheimer's, I will draw up a contract that says, like, once I can't do this, this, and this, like, I consent to being put down. Because I do, no not, way to live. I do not want to be allowed to live past a certain point where I become this fucking freak that you're all around. Because this is a, an irreversible fucking brain illness. I, I don't want to be a fucking burden. I don't want any of that shit to happen. Just put me down. Know that I support it, and you will be much you, happier. You can in all that feel scenario. good yeah. about it. Like, and and yeah, I I, I yeah, in the case it. of the video, like ALS and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like if you are in a position where nothing is going to save your yeah, life, yeah, and in like six months you're going to be in miserable yeah. pain and dying, and that's you you don't like leaving your family in a way where you go out and they, in some cases, might resent you. Yeah. For being a living it's thing no, that's just sitting there shitting itself for it's a year. No to, way to it's no way to live. It's no way to die. Like it, it really is. It's horrific. We do it with animals. Like my my dog. We put my dog down like a couple months ago, and it was because we loved him. He, but he he reached a point where it was just it was becoming like I. It's inhumane to it keep was it inhumane away. and like it like I was I felt myself becoming like less and less sort of uh, humane about it where I'm like this is becoming work like I'm, I'm forgetting why I love this dog it's becoming just a task of keeping this animal alive and uh, yeah so that's how I feel about it it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough topic to discuss but some people but would prefer the dignity of dying yes, uh, in a different way absolutely yes 
Anyways, a lot of the uh, initial reports about the Sarco indicated that it would be put to use soon, but it seems like there might have been some miscommunication there. Anitschke did say that it passed legal review for use in Switzerland, but more recently reports say that none of the major assisted suicide organizations in Switzerland are actively considering the technology. Uh, plus, Nitschke also says there's only two Sarco prototypes in existence right now, uh, one of which is on display at a museum, and that he still wants to add more features, like a camera and a microphone for the person in the pod to communicate with people outside and also provide a recording of their consent. That's a good idea. Yeah, but in the current scenario, they get to actually hold hands with their loved ones yeah, instead of watching them from outside of a pod. That's true. That might be why a lot of these organizations aren't yeah, uh, so they, quick they're to They're comforted uh, by this. their wives and children yeah. as they uh, go across that plane, yeah. which I think would be a much more comfortable way than sitting in a fucking po a death pod. In the nitrogen thing is interesting, though, because this is like when we talk about capital punishment, which I, I oppose 100%. I don't think... I don't think anyone, no matter what they do, uh, needs to be executed. But if you're going to do it, like, it's so funny watching states, like, they're like, we lost access to all these weird-ass fucking, like, chemicals that we get. Like, what are we going to do? We can't execute people. I'm like, literally just nitrogen. If you, if you, if you replace oxygen with nitrogen, like, people die very calmly and slowly, and they fucking die. And they're like, well, no, but then they, then it would feel good. We can't do that. They're that's gonna, not punishment. They're going to go very... Bring back very, the firing squad. Yeah, like that's, that's the only reason. Like yeah. all, all capital punishment in the U.S. would just be with nitrogen gas if there wasn't an element there where they're like, no. Of revenge. We got to make them feel yeah. pain. And fear. During it, yeah. yeah. So look, the suicide pod might not be ready for prime time, but it sounds like it will be eventually. And uh, it's okay to have very mixed feelings about that. This is a topic that... Uh, you shouldn't have to worry about or think about until, yeah, until you get a little too high one day. But but I think it is something you should think a little bit about, just like in terms of, because like my my hope is that someday. Well, we live in America; it's just not going to happen in our lifetime. We, but like that's the thing; like it's very very quietly it is legal here in California and in like ten other states. Like it is uh, doctor assisted uh, euthanasia or whatever is still it's legal. They just they, they don't advertise it. They call it unaliving. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is something like if that's an option, like like I said, like thinking about thinking about looking back at like my grandma going through Alzheimer's and just like realizing, knowing 100 percent in my head, I'm like, no, no, I, I never want to. If there's a possibility that I will not be allowed to reach that point. Absolutely. Like, I, I think it's good to actually think about that. Yeah, at least a little bit. Maybe not when you you're don't young. Don't want to consume you. When you're when you're super young, you don't have to worry about a whole lot of things. But when you're in like 40s, 50s, 60s, yeah, maybe maybe consider it. When you get around to writing that will. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we do yeah. have more news for you coming up that's uh, less... Oh, thank God. Less like existentially depressing than everything we talked about so far. But first, this episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix. Here's... Your style isn't one size fits all. It's about what suits your body and what suits the moment. So why not shop at a store that's personalized to your body and style? Introducing Stitch Fix Freestyle, a shop built just for you. Stitch Fix Freestyle is your trusted style destination where you can discover and instantly buy curated items based on your style, likes, and lifestyle. Whether you're looking for a brand you love or to try something new, at Stitch Fix Freestyle, you can shop hundreds of brands personalized to your size and fit with styles for workouts to workwear, 
For lounging around the house or for a night out on the town, Stitch Fix Freestyle has clothes for any occasion. Plus, there's no subscription required, and they offer free shipping, returns, and exchanges. Get started today by filling out your style quiz at stitchfix.com newsday. That is stitchfix.com newsday to try Stitch Fix Freestyle. stitchfix.com newsday. And this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Hello. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh keeps things simple with recipes that cut back on meal prep and cleanup so you can spend less time in the kitchen and more quality time with friends and family. Recipes like balsamic and fig beef tenderloin or pecan crusted salmon. Make holiday meals feel special without the high cost of dining out or delivery. Or go for a cozy comfort food choice like chicken sausage and sweet potato soup for a cold winter night. Two hearty winter recipes coming up on next week's menu that we're looking forward to are the homestyle chicken and biscuit pot pie and the southwest beef cavatappi. I'm also throwing in one vegetarian meal a week now. Uh, yeah, there's a options. lot of good stuff there for, uh, you'd be surprised. I'm trying to pull back a little bit from all the meat, especially uh, some of the pork. Yeah. Um, now, for us, HelloFresh is always a huge lifesaver when you aren't in the mood for planning out and shopping for your recipes, and it's a great motivator to get in the kitchen and cook. So go to HelloFresh.com Newsday14 and use code Newsday14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that is up to 14 free meals and three free gifts by going to HelloFresh.com Newsday14 using that code Newsday14. All right, back into the news now with one of our favorite recurring topics. Elon Musk saying some real head-ass shit. It's because he got that weirdo haircut. Real uh, fucking Roger Klotz looking head-ass. Yeah, he does. Uh, so if you've been following Tesla and SpaceX at all for the last uh, fucking decade, you're probably aware that a huge reason for both companies' success is the billions of dollars in subsidies that the U.S. government has provided them. Uh, in 2015, the LA Times looked into it and calculated that Musk's companies had received $4.9 billion in government subsidies. That number has likely gone up since then. And you know what? That's good. The government spending money to support development of green energy is good. Yes. Elon Musk, of all people, you would assume, would feel that way. But apparently Elon's opinion on government subsidies for green energy has changed now that his car company doesn't need them as much as they used to. Uh, here, here's CNBC. Tesla CEO Elon Musk said he's against President Joe Biden's social and climate spending bill, pointing to his concerns about the insane federal deficit. Honestly, I would just can this whole bill, Musk said late Monday during the Wall Street Journal CEO Council Summit. Don't pass it. That's my recommendation. The Build Back Better Act, which has passed in the House but has yet to go to the Senate, includes tax incentives of up to $12,500 for vehicles built by auto worker union members to spur consumer demands in electric vehicles. The Biden administration's efforts would reinstate a $7,500 federal credit for Tesla, which doesn't have union workers building cars. Hmm. Once again, giving Tesla the same credits that many other automakers are still eligible for, but Tesla has been operating without the standard $7,500 for nearly two years and is doing just fine, Musk said. The Build Back Better Act follows Biden's infrastructure bill, which was signed into law last month. It includes $7.5 billion to build out the nation's electric vehicle charging stations. Musk also said Monday that government funding for EV charging is unnecessary. Do we need support for gas stations? We don't, Musk said. So there's no need for support for a charging network. I would delete it. I'm literally saying get rid of all subsidies, but also for oil and gas. All subsidies. 
This government needs to get rid of all subsidies. So this is a classic ladder pull move. You've you've climbed up the ladder. There's someone behind you, and you pull the ladder up. Yeah. Elon did not give a shit about the federal budget deficit back when government subsidies were helping Tesla lose less money than they would be otherwise. And that was very much the case if you look at any of their financials for most of the last 10 years. But now that Tesla is in a position where it doesn't want or need the government's help, no one should get those same subsidies. Uh, Also, it's very clear that those subsidies are going to help his competition directly. That's the reason. And also... And building charging stations because he owns the largest charging network in the country. And also they help a lot of... uh, You get more money if your shop is union. And this is a direct. Is, is Tesla a union shop? Oh, it's not. This oh, is directly for General Motors and Ford, uh, so that they can get their electric vehicle fleet off the ground and at mass well, production. Well, Elon, if you let your factory unionize, you get a lot more money. Interesting. But but even if even if that were the case and he got those subsidies, it's also a, goes against the business model to have every other car company in the yeah. space making what could be comparatively much better vehicles yeah. than what are coming no, out of it, Tesla's. it makes sense from like a business standpoint, yeah. for sure. It's just it's just wildly hypocritical if you yeah. know anything about how this guy yeah, got exactly. where he is yeah. today. It's like, it's inconsistent. are you fucking insane? Yeah. So yeah, perhaps uh, the funniest example of uh, that sort of fiscal conservative uh, when it needs to be thinking was when actor Craig T. Nelson said the following on Fox News back in 2009. We are a capitalistic society. Okay, I go into business, I don't make it, I go bankrupt. They're not going to bail me out. I've been on food stamps and welfare. Anybody help me out? No. I've been on food stamps and welfare. Anybody help me out? No. And yes, you heard that right. I've been on food stamps and welfare. Did anyone help me out? No. Did anyone help me when I was on food stamps? And welfare? No, I was completely on my own. Was that when I was on food stamps and welfare? Ah! Anyway, obviously we're we're rushing past the real Elon news here. Is that uh, that new haircut of his, <laughs> which did not look great in that Wall Street Journal interview, looked it, it looked so much worse, guys, when it was photographed in this photo. It has drawn comparisons to uh, yes, Gary Oldman, Oldman yeah. in The Fifth Element, Roger Klotz in Doug. Um, certainly a hairstyle choice for a 50-year-old man That's to make. That's the thing. It's a hairstyle that a, a 20-year-old would have, maybe. And I think he said he did it himself, which, look, Elon, maybe the government should have stepped in and subsidized a better barber for you. Look, he's... I, uh, would, I would support my tax dollars. He's freshly that. single. He's moved to a new town. He's ready to get out there, and he wants to look young again. I'm I'm just waiting for when he starts wearing a, a cowboy hat like his brother Kimball. He is living in Texas now, right? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, it's got to be right around the corner. Oh yeah, I love Texas. I'm a big uh, cowboy. I like uh, eat. I like to eat big steaks and wear big old boots. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. Texas land of the free. We're thinking about putting spurs on the Tesla. <sighs> so there yeah. you go. That would be cool, actually. Yeah. But uh, they take them off when you have to ship it to Oklahoma and then back to Texas. They take them off in Oklahoma. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. everyone. But let's move over to some YouTube news. Yeah. In our previous episode, we talked about how YouTube's copyright claim system is prone to all sorts of abuse, ranging from overprotective copyright holders opposed to fair use, all the way to people just fraudulently claiming that they own footage that they do not actually own and music. Uh, 
And also, hey, what the hell are you going to do about yeah. it? Loser? Yeah, you're going to hire a lawyer and uh, spend money you don't have? Good luck. Or just or just bite the bullet and deal with it. Yeah, well, here's a story about a very elaborate take on that second thing. And good news, at least the bad guys in this story got in trouble. But only after years of running their copyright scam and reaping about $20 million <laughs> from it. Oh, Christ, here's Market Watch. Two men have been charged with allegedly running a years-long music royalty scam in which they collected more than $20 million in payments from YouTube by falsely claiming to hold the rights to 50,000 Spanish-language songs. Prosecutors say Jose Chanel Terran, 36, of Scottsdale, Arizona, and Webster Yendi Batista, 38, of Doral, Florida, claimed their company, Media Move Inc., controlled the rights to a large back catalog of music. In 2017, they allegedly approached a third-party royalty management firm identified in court papers only by the initials AR, falsely claiming to control the royalty rights to the songs. In some cases, Tehran and Batista used forged notes from artists claiming they had the rights to manage the music, prosecutors said. A spokeswoman for the U.S. Attorney's Office in Arizona, which is prosecuting the case, declined to elaborate beyond what was detailed in public court filings. Tehran and Batista signed contracts with the management firm to monetize the music online, prosecutors said. The management firm then established Media Moves credentials with YouTube, giving them copyright claims to the songs on the video platform. And it sounds like the only big mistake that these guys made was uh, going after songs by artists who ha absolutely had the means to take this up in yeah, court. That was their big mistake. You uh, gotta go after small fish. Yeah, one of the songs that they claimed as their own netted them over $100,000 in royalties. Which, if you know anything about how piss poor music royalties are nowadays, means uh, that song is massively popular. Uh, they also claimed multiple other songs that brought in tens of thousands of dollars each. Uh, it's, uh, it's some real serious hubris. And these guys seem to have thought that they would just never get caught. Uh, here's more from that Market Watch article. Prosecutors say that when the legitimate rights holders for one song, identified in court papers only by the initials DH, filed a complaint to the third-party management company claiming copyright infringement, Tehran boldly insisted the person had no legal grounds to stand on. Quote, any issue that DH have with our content, he can email me directly. We will not issue any revenue share to him or anyone just because he says he has the right to. We have contracts, and if he has any doubts, we can keep discussing this in front of a federal judge. Thanks. Court documents quoted Tehran as writing in an email. And typically, if you're someone that doesn't have the money to fight this or the legal means to, that's where it ends. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, we'll see you in court then. Because even in the YouTube automated thing, it's like, no, I have the rights to this. And he goes, are you sure? Are you because sure? If, if they say that you don't, then we're going to have to side with them, and then it's going to become a legal thing. Yeah. And if they come back and they're like, no, we absolutely have the rights to it, and you challenge it again, you're going to fucking court for it. Yeah. So if you don't have the money or the means to fight it, that email would actually, even if you were the actual artist, you'd be like, well, actually, I uh, maybe yeah. the company that, I ha that owns my rights sold them off to a digital rights management company, and maybe they're telling the truth. So it's an intimidation factor that absolutely works. Yeah, in a normal, like, you would you would assume, like, most of the time, if you were 100% confident and maybe had access to legal representation, you click the button to be like, yes, proceed, and you would assume the other people would be like, oh, okay, well, yeah. not worth it. But, like, this guy's like, no. <laughs> I'll see you in court, bitch. Well, that, so that's the thing, too, is it's like, if you're an artist that's big enough to get this, mu this much in royalties, you, there are many hands in the pot. Yeah. And you probably aren't 100% sure. Like, I don't know. Maybe it is me. It, yeah. Uh, I got to call my accountant. Yeah. It's yeah. probably a lot of work to get this back. And it's like, then someone up the chain is like, yeah, I'm your A&R guy, but I don't know who the fuck owns the rights right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, we sell that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Like, well, what video was it on? Maybe we sold it to the company doing the video. I don't know. Like, there's so much shit that goes on behind the scenes. So, it was a bold plan. Uh, seems like it worked for a while. But yeah, I'm, it was never going to work. Got caught. It was never going to work forever, though. Which yeah. Is like, it's like, of all plans, it's like, yeah, you're going to make a lot of money for a little while, but like, Get someone out. is definitely going to notice. What is, what's your plan for them? Yeah, it takes one person to fight. Yeah. Luckily, someone did. Uh, anyways, these guys will now be discussing this in front of a judge. Like, think, they, like they asked for. And things could go very badly for them. Uh, they're looking at 30 counts of conspiracy, wire fraud, money laundering, and aggravated identity theft, and potentially face decades in prison and some very large fines if convicted. But I, I bet they lived high on the hog while it was working out. No, because the, the peak years of their success were during the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah. No Can't one, wait till this is all over. And no I can one's spend coming my over to my sick-ass McMansion. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. Can't wait till this is over so I can go spend all my... Fuck! <laughs> but moving on to another similar story about making loads of money off music that you had no role in the creation of, uh, but this time without any laws technically being broken. Uh, honestly, you should just go watch this, this video that YouTuber and musician Ben Jordan posted last week titled, How a New York Times Reporter Collects Royalties from Hundreds of Musicians. Yeah, that video is very much worth a watch. You should definitely watch it. Also, he's a great YouTuber who I've been following for years, and it just, uh, this happened to just fall into my feed. But uh, the basic rundown is that Ben Jordan was contacted by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Ian Urbina a few years back, and Urbina proposed a collaboration where Jordan would produce music for Urbina's Outlaw Ocean Project, this little journalism project that he has. So this was an exciting offer with seemingly... Lots of potential for exposure. But uh, Ben Jordan eventually he backed out once he figured out that Urbina was actually apparently contacting dozens and dozens of musicians with similar offers, despite no indication in his conversations with Ben that this was that kind of project. He thought this was, I'm making music for your thing. He didn't know it was like dozens of people are making music for yeah. you, which is something you would... Hope, like to know. Hope to be, uh, yeah, you would like to know before working, putting in work on something. So anyway, also the contracts involved set off a lot of red flags in this once he, once he saw them. There would be no money up front at all, but lots of potential down the road. And uh, also, and this is big, Ian Urbino would be credited as a songwriter and receive about half the royalties Ooh. for every single song. Hmm. So yeah, that's already sketchy. But how much money could Ian Urbina stand to actually make here? Yeah, how much could it be? Like we said before, streaming music royalties are a joke uh, these days. Uh, Well, turns out Ian Urbina successfully got enough artists on board uh, with this project that there are a total of 462 albums listed on his Spotify (laughs) profile, which he has... Uh, he's able to do because he's credited as an artist on all of them. Yeah. So there you go. He's got like 700,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. With a, New York Times journalist. With a ballpark of seven songs per album, that's over 3,000 songs. Now, those songs might be generating barely anything in revenue individually, but altogether, that's potentially thousands of dollars per month for uh, Ian Urbina. Yeah. Seems like a scam. Seems like a hell of a scam. They call, they call it a hack, Elliot. Yeah. So... Uh, and again, watch the video. There's several other sketchy layers to this whole thing, like the fact that the record label that he told artists that he had partnered with for the project is actually his own company. And also the fact that he used his New York Times email address for all the correspondence, despite no longer even working there by the time he was sending these emails. But yeah, really go watch watch that video. It's 20 minutes long and it is it is fascinating. Like 
seems like oh well, okay whatever like oh you got scammed but like it, it I literally I remember watching this in bed a couple days ago like wait what <laughs> holy shit uh, yeah it's fascinating and you know of course once people saw the video and started talking about it online Ian Urbina started just smashing that block button blocking everyone left and right saying this was all just a big troll operation oh the trolls are after me again but that didn't work it just Streisand affected, uh, and so he finally came out with a half apology where he blamed everything on bad communications on his part. And he did at least offer to hand over the publishing to any artist who asked for it back, but like he's still been making money off of it this whole time. Yeah. Like, just like, oh, you caught me in my scam. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can have it back. I don't care. But also, because of the way like publishing works, I'm still listed. As an artist. You can take these Grammys from my cold, dead hands. Yeah. So, uh, very, just a very interesting saga that I've been following on Twitter over the last, like, week of, like, sort of mid-level, like, working musicians all realizing that they'd all been scammed by the same guy, but, like, didn't know that other people had. Jeez. It's like, but, like, fucking hundreds of artists. Yeah. Yeah, it's, deep. it's gonna be huge. Like we're we're gonna get a, a Netflix documentary. The maybe? project was getting me rich. And there might be a Netflix documentary if this gets big enough. Well, yeah, publicity. now. Yeah. But it's just like you what you I mean, I know journalism doesn't pay that well, but it's just like why why do this? Like he was making he was making, I think Ben Jordan figured it out. He was making like at most like a couple thousand a month. Cause Elliot, as every crypto bro knows, that's called passive income. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That way you can work on all your side hustles while you have that passive income. But yeah, if you're if you're into like uh, music production or anything, Ben Jordan, great channel. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, big announcement considering we just got like the contract today. Uh, we're gonna be in Austin, Texas. Yeah, the second weekend of uh, January. Second, thirdish. Uh, yeah, on. second weekend. Uh, January fifteenth, the Saturday. Yeah, we're gonna be doing a live show in Austin, Texas. We'll get more information for you soon because I don't know if. They've announced it, the, 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 who we're yeah. partnering with. But if you live in the or around, southwest, yeah. in around Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, block out that weekend because, yeah, we will be participating in a uh, Rooster Teeth affiliated sort of podcast festival. Uh, they're not doing RTX South anymore, but surprise. Yeah. Doing this thing, and uh, yeah, we're we were so happy to be invited, and we would love to see yeah as many of you there as possible. Live show time, baby! Yeah, let's go. Get out of the way, Omicron. It's time to do live shows again. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we'll be there if you want to come say hi. That would be great. Uh, looking forward to it immensely, and we'll have more information and where to buy tickets. I believe we're doing like a. Q&A or something before. I don't know what. I just said yes. I'm I, like, I said yes. Yeah, I was like, yeah. A nice little trip. Let's free go. trip to Austin? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I love Austin. Sounds great. I got a lot of friends out there. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to have fun. Uh, we'd love it if you uh, showed up. That's uh, Saturday, January 15th. Hopefully you can make it. Uh, but in the meantime, please watch our most recent videos over here. Uh, we have a weekly weird news where a guy gets a uh, fucking artillery shell stuck up his butt. Ooh! And also uh, Trump being a walking, talking biological weapon. Yeah. Watch both of those and uh, stay tuned for more episodes. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.